I'm continuing this morning. Those of you uh, may not have been here in recent weeks, but we've been talking about choices. And I got that idea from, uh, I was involved in fantasy football this year and the reason for the jersey. And Phil, if you'll bear with me, I got a Roger Craig for next week. Going to be okay. Um, but, but in light of choosing sides, what that was about, because in fantasy football, you got to choose your side, got to make some adjustments, got to do some no's, got to uh, you know, regroup, and, and some things need to end. I can't keep everybody on the team, but I need to improve the team. And so that gave me a, a thought about choosing sides because there's so many things in Scripture and our walk with the Lord that lead us to choose a side, choose a side. And today, I want to talk to you about uh, oil and, um, and what that looks like, because oil is costly, and that's what we'll see this morning. But before I give you our scripture reference, which will be Matthew 25, that we'll read together, I want to recap my last message uh, just a, for a, a second, in case you weren't here particularly but we are looking at Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany, she's mentioned three times in Scripture. And every time that she's mentioned in Scripture, you find her at the feet of Jesus. And the first time is at the, the home of Mary and Martha in Luke 10. And Martha's very busy about a lot of good things. And she, but yet Mary is at the feet of Jesus and Martha tries to uh, intercede and get some support from Jesus to say, hey, I need some help over here. Will you please tell Mary, uh, come and help me? But Jesus responded and said, you know, only one thing's needed, and she's chosen that which is better. And it's a great example because Martha was doing some noble things. You know, we all have to eat. Somebody's got to go to the grocery store. Somebody's got to cook. Somebody's got to clean. Somebody's got to make sure all the guests are taken care of. And, and those are noble tasks. But it makes me think about all of the noble tasks and all of the good things that perhaps I'm even involved in and where I would be better served to follow the instructions of Jesus and choose that one thing. Because I'm afraid that we all tend to neglect perhaps that one thing. Yeah, you've got work to do. You've got a job to do. You've got personal ministry to do. You've got a family to raise. You've got a marriage to invest in. You've got so many things, and, and you're choosing. And it's a great reminder that Jesus applauds that, that we choose that one thing that is the best thing. I saw John Bevere. He's a pastor and author, and he was saying that one of the biggest enemies to hearing God's voice in your life is busyness. Busyness. You know, it's not necessarily bad or evil things. It's just we tend to get very busy about so many things. We have a list. We're working the list. We're working our calendar. And we're missing perhaps some intimacy opportunities with the Lord. The second time we see Mary of Bethany and she's disappointed. This is John 11. And we tie them together that Mary and Martha, they're also, they have a brother and his name is Lazarus. And, and they're asking, they've sent word, Jesus, to come. Lazarus is sick and they, he could come, but he doesn't come. And I know I've been there. Probably you've been there. Those times where you know, whatever the circumstance is, if Jesus would just come, that it's going to be better. The healing is going to come. The answer is going to come. The mountain will be moved. Whatever the obstacle is, whatever the issue or problem is, if Jesus, you just show up, and, and, and that's our faith. We're doing everything we know to do, and yet Jesus doesn't come on our timeline. And then things go south, and we get disappointed. We get disappointed I'm being honest. I'm speaking from my own experiences that I could share many. We know, yeah, Lord, it's your will be done and not mine. But more of you just wish you'd show up. Just wish you'd intervene. And we get disappointed, perhaps, 
And that's, that's what I see in this passage in John 11. And, and Mary of Bethany, she is disappointed too, to the point she falls on her face at the feet of Jesus, and she's weeping, and it even moves our Lord to tears. If we're not careful, though, the disappointments of life, those opportunities, you know, when, when crunch time comes, we have choices to make. And sometimes, unfortunately, I see when we are pressed and we are crushed and things are not going our way, how often I, I hear a conversation from many people and you're angry and you're disappointed and you're perhaps even bitter. And so you, you, we start seeing you less. You, you pull out, you pull away, you walk away, you quietly disappear if you can. Divine delays, some call it. Divine delays, those times when God just doesn't show up on our timeline. I'm, I want to caution you this morning on those the potential that you could have to even have a bitter root in your life. The third time we see Mary of Bethany, and she's in this time in worship in John 12. She's worshiping, and this time she's at the feet of Jesus, and she brings the, the vessel of nard, and she pours it out, and it's worth a year's wages, this, this pure nard, and it was set aside for the burial of Jesus, and, and maybe she knows. She's caught on to what's happening here, what's unfolding, and, and she, she just brings it to the feet of Jesus, and she worships. See, it's a challenge that all of us have that when life gets crushing and life gets disappointing and life gets busy, that we all have these choices to make about what we do with all of that. And the reminder that I want to bring today is that there's room at the feet of Jesus for you. You see, there's an oil produced when we're around Jesus. It's a and he, he demonstrates that for us, his own relationship with the Father, this pattern of intimacy in the relationship. The oil throughout Scripture, oil represents the Holy Spirit. It, it's necessary. It is indwelling presence of God. And those of you who, all of us, who, who make a profession of faith that the Holy Spirit comes to reside within us and and lead us and direct us. And we want more of that. We should desire the Holy Spirit to fill us and lead us so that we are not that clanging symbol that Phil mentioned last week, that we're not operating in love because we're, there's no Holy Spirit leading our life and producing the fruit of the Spirit. I want to give you an image today so you know where we're going. We're going to be looking at Matthew 25, but this is a Herodian lamp. Clay has oil, a wick, and it's lit, and it should be like this. And with this lamp and with this light, that there is influence. That is the way that you see to go, and that for others around you to also see the light that illuminates from your lamp. In Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the signs of the end of the age, talking about false Christs and false prophets and, and what it will be like before a trumpet sounds. And he, he says it will be like the days of Noah upon his return. And Scripture indicates that Jesus, we know him as the bridegroom in Scripture. And we, the church, we are his bride. We are the ones that are to walk in holiness as he is holy, that we are to be prepared for his return. We are his brides. Jesus promised that he will come back for us and he's outlining what it will be like and that we won't know the day or the hour, but there would be signs and we could see of those signs what it would be like. Let me begin reading in Matthew 25 today. The parable of the ten virgins. Jesus speaking, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. 
Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The the foolish ones, verse 8, said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Father, I thank you today. Thank you for time in your word. I pray that, God, there would be application for each of us today, a tangible response, a way that we all could be in alignment and just beyond our words to say amen, that we would in a very tangible way with our lives and with our actions agree with you and agree with your word. So I I pray that you would speak to us through this familiar parable today. Give us insight to what you would speak to our own lives individually and collectively as a church. And Lord, may you be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We talk a lot about wise and foolish builders, or I, I do. I, use, I like to use that at weddings because it's about how that we build our life. And Jesus clearly talks about that we are to build our life and make uh, it's wise to follow his teachings, and it's foolish not to. And here again, we see wise and foolish ways to live. These, these ten virgins, they represent us, his followers, his disciples, the, the church. And he splits it in half, like he's flipped a coin, and saying that, well, half are going to be ready, and they're going to be have plenty of oil, and half are not. That the wise, they're going to hear and they're going to be ready. They're going to have oil in storage. They have extra. But then there are going to be those that are in the room, those that are waiting for the, the word that the bridegroom is coming, and they're not going to be ready. They'll be foolish. They won't prepare. They won't have this oil. They won't have it. And looking at this today, the foolish and the wise, and, 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 and the word to, to all of us, it says that, that in verse 3 that the foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, they, they took oil in jars along with their lamps. So they, they have extra, and yet there's the foolish, and they're not really worried about it. They've got a lamp, and everybody in the room's got a lamp. Everybody's got a little bit of influence. The bridegroom is a long time in coming, verse 5. I hear that a lot. Some, some have tried to tone me down sometimes. You know, pastor, uh, people have been saying for thousands of years, a couple thousand years, and a long time that Jesus is coming back. And you keep saying that, and, and what you're saying is you really don't believe it's happening in your lifetime. That's what you're saying, if you align with that. Maybe that's natural, but maybe that's also the problem. That we naturally think that, well, I've got this agenda, Lord. I've got these things that I want to accomplish before you come. And it's been a long time since you you haven't returned yet. And you're just not seeing in your lifetime that playing out. And yet there's going to be a generation that they will be the ones assigned with the return of Jesus Christ. They will be the ones that live out the last days. They will be the ones that discern the times and know how to live and know what to do. So 
you, you soak that up and I, I share with you my perspective. But there will be a generation that will rise up and say, well, for such a time as this, I've been born. I've, been, I've come into relationship with Christ. And the days matter. Every day matters. My influence matters. But he knows it will be like that. Jesus says there was a long time in coming. There was a delay. And here's what happened. They all, all of the ones that had oil, the ones who didn't have oil, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. Do we not live in the day when the church at large is very much asleep? We see continually, I see, if you watch news at all, that there are many organizations, many individuals, it seems like it's almost weekly that they fail. That, that there's been sin in the camp for a long time. And it was unrepentant. And leadership stayed in place. And they continue to go. It's like we've got this business going, guys. We're too big to fail. I heard that back in 2008. I, um, U.S. corporation, the, the economy tanked, and that corporation AIG. I, I had spent time with them. I had a, I, I still do. I have a retirement invested in them, and and people begin to say, "Well, they're too big to fail," and so let's bail them out. And if you're a U.S. citizen, you're still paying for that. But they're too big to fail. And it seems that that's, that is the attitude, that is the mentality in the church even today. That was the idea. In 2020, when there was a pandemic and things uh, go south, and uh, the, the, the cry of so many is, well, let's, let's just get through this and let's get back to normal. And maybe normal's not coming back, but Jesus is. That's quite possible in my observation. But they fell asleep. And so often we do as well. But in verse 6, at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come to meet him. The cry goes out at midnight. You know, there's, there's no more time left in the day. It's, and at midnight, it's the midnight hour where you go to your neighbor, you don't have bread for your unexpected guests, and you're knocking on the door, you got to have some bread. Things happen at midnight. It's at midnight where we need our oil, when the, the time is running out. And, but here's the cry, the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. And you, you hear that. I, I know I'm not the only voice these days. And right now, perhaps it's even a whisper. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. But I believe we're going to see a, a whisper that gets louder. It'll get louder and you'll hear continually, the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. But that, that's the cry that goes out in this midnight hour. In verse 7, then all the virgins woke up. Or everybody woke up. Oh my goodness, it is time. There can't be anything else left. And it is time. And, and they all wake up and they trim their, their, um, trim their lamps. And in verse 8, the foolish one said to the wise, hey, uh, give me some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. In other words, like we did not prepare properly. I mean, we knew the bridegroom was coming someday, but we didn't think it was this day. And so we put off some things and we kept operating and we kept going on fumes. You know, there was enough oil to keep our, our lamp lit, but we got no reserve here and we're needing some reserve now and just give me some of yours. In verse 9, the wise ones, they said no. You might want to underline that word. I, I am in mine. Because folks, we're in the day where a lot of us, a lot of the church, you got to learn to remember to say the word no. You've got to say no. No to the busyness. No to so many things that seek to distract you from the feet of Jesus. So many things that perhaps have disappointed you even and kept you from the feet of Jesus. And 
You've got those. See, we have that. I mean, you've got people in your life, perhaps, and, and they're always coming to you. Hey, pray for me. Help me. Give me some of what you got. And you, you serve them and you help them and we want to help them, but you're to the point at some point you may have to say no. And Cloud and Townsend, I, I followed them for 20 some years and, and they talk about boundaries, the ability that, that we have to be able to say no without guilt. No without guilt. We're, we don't feel guilty about it because we feel conviction that we've got to say no. And many of the church, you cannot just pour yourself out continually. People have got to go get your own oil. That's the idea here. You cannot buy it. That, that's the instructions though of the wise. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. You see, I, I've got oil. There's th a lot of things I don't have, but I've got oil. But I cannot sell my oil to you. And that, that, that's what this passage is saying. You just can't buy it like that. There's a cost. And you've got to go to where you buy it and pay the cost for you. That's very important. Well, I have oil, but I can't even give my oil. I can't give my oil to Paula, my wife. She can't give me her oil. I have a large family. I cannot give my oil to my family. I cannot give my oil to any of you. So you're influenced by the light that is produced and influenced by that uh, it's fueled by that oil. But you've got to decide, you've got to go pay the cost, you've got to go pay the price for the oil yourself. And how do you get that? How do you get oil? How does it come about? And I look at my own life, new to faith. Many of you in this room, new to being at least serious about your faith. There's challenges to that because there's an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The brand new, the seasoned, the veterans, he wants to destroy you. He hates you. Do you understand that? And therefore, you're in a battle every day. And it is hard and it is difficult. And in those moments, many choose and say, you know what? I can't go with this. This is too difficult. I am walking away from this. Let's go. Because the, the bridegroom is delayed anyway. And we'll get around to this later. And maybe later never comes. You have to go buy your own oil. I reflected this week on my own and I, I reminded new to faith, thousands of miles from home, life comes crushing down on me. And it's very easy to allow the seeds that have been sown to be snatched up out of my life and go walk a different way. But thanks be to God, I fall at the feet of Jesus. I make that decision. I make that choice. It's the same choice that you all have to make. You can run from God or you can fall at the feet of Jesus. And many times that means, God, I don't understand what you're doing right now. I don't understand why this is so hard. I don't understand why we're pressed from every side, why we're persecuted in every way, and why, why this didn't work out, why, why the marriage is in trouble, God, why, the, why the, the business is failing, why the finances are, are suffering. Those are real life circumstances, the relationships with your children, with your spouse, all those things are real life and you can run 
Or you can fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I, we need some intimacy here. And you pour your, your broken heart out and you fall at his feet. And there's some intimacy developed there where you're putting your faith and trust in a tangible way in the God who loves you and has sent his son to die for you. But you develop intimacy instead of, instead of this, this formal religious stance where you stand on your own and you walk away from God and you can choose to be at the feet of Jesus. Seasons of intimacy. And that's what is the meaning here. I cannot give you my oil. I cannot sell you my oil. You've got to go get it for yourself. But here's what happens in verse 10. They go on their way to buy the oil and the bridegroom arrives. He comes and they're not ready. And the virgins who were ready, they went in with him to the wedding banquet and then the door was shut. Later, the others also, they came, sir, sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I, I don't know you. There was no intimacy. I didn't know you. you. You ran on fumes. You kept everything going. But you neglected the one thing. Verse 13, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. What is it to be foolish? How do we look foolish today? That, that lamp, that, that light that is our influence. You see, we, what's happened is that we have individuals, we have ministries, we have churches, and unfortunately, in my observation, more worried about their influence, the size, the followers, the impact, the bank account, instead of the intimacy with Jesus. That it's, it's foolish at the same time to be bitter because maybe, maybe you're bitter because you look around and you compare to others and, wow, what? there's blessing on someone else's life or there's blessing on someone else's ministry or someone else's business and you feel like your influence is small. And because of that, you get a bitter root in you. And there's no intimacy because of things being small. So things could be big and things could be small. And the result is the same. The result is the same. Hebrews 12, 15. We have that. The writer of Hebrews See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitter root. That's, that's for you to diagnose today. You sit here today and you look around and, and you realize, you know what? There is a lack of in intimacy. I've not been at the feet of Jesus. It's been a while. And it might be that you're actually, you've allowed a bitter root that, to begin to dig some roots in your life and it's bad for you. It causes trouble and defiles many. It's not good for you. It's not good for those that you influence. And the, the great way to not have that perhaps is quit looking around and comparing yourself to everybody else. You've got a salvation to work out yourself. You've got a calling and a purpose to walk out yourself. You don't need to be looking around, worrying about what everybody else's deal. It is you establishing a pattern of intimacy with Jesus that no one can take away from you. You can't sell it. You can't buy it from any your, your close ones. You've got to go get it. You've got to go buy it, pay the cost, pay the price for it because you need it for you. Caution the bitter root. I mentioned a moment ago this too big to fail. I was in corporate terms. I'm afraid it applies too often to ministries and influence. And I see churches that appear to me to be a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. It looks like godliness. There's Christian over the door but there's not really anything happening. But they have this mentality, perhaps, that we're too big to fail. 
we got to keep the machine going, guys. Keep the finances coming in. And they're doing that at the expense of intimacy. Too big to fail. Too big to go down. The Apostle Paul told us this in 2 Corinthians 2.17. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the Word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Paul, writing here in in total context, guys, he, he was clear. You can support ministry. He was himself supported. Other times he made tents. He made his own way, bivocational. But he was supported. But he also is pointing out those who peddle the word of God for profit, who exist as a form of godliness for the purpose of profit. First Timothy 6, 5. He's talking about false teachers, Paul again, and he says constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. We have that, guys. We have that in the church today. We have that in the world today. It's up to you and I then to discern. Is this a place where, for me to pour into to trust as a storehouse, to sow into ministry, to support? Or is it just a form of godliness? It looks good on the outside, but there's no oil. There's no intimacy. There's no walk of God. There's no power of God on display. There's no life change happening. I look around and see it. Paul saw it in his day. It's evident today. And for me, it's what it is to be foolish. To be foolish with the opportunity that we have to have intimacy and to store up and purchase oil for our, ourselves. But yet verses like this at 1 Peter 4.17 that judgment begins at the house of God. And we're seeing that. There's judgment on the house of God and there should be. To sit in a place even like this and do inventory of your life and, and you just continually, you're thinking and perhaps the root of that thinking is that the bridegroom is delayed and you've gotten into some false expectation and ideas that the bridegroom, he's not coming back in your lifetime and I'll live as I want and I'll do what I want. And I'll just participate in a form of godliness and perhaps even for profit because we're too big to fail. Or the opposite of that, we're just bitter. We look around and things haven't gone our way and we're disappointed. And the result of that is the same, that there is no intimacy with Jesus. You see, it's oil that fuels your walk with Christ. It's what people around you, they they start to realize, you know, there's something different about this person, my neighbor, my family member. It's something different about them, and it's because the oil is fueling your love for God and your love for others. You're not just loving people out of your own uh, human humanness and your own ability, but there's a supernatural rising within you, a supernatural uh, oil that is within you that where, where the fruit of the Spirit it allows you to love in a way that is right, that is godly, that displays His righteousness. It's the oil. You see, it's wise, according to this passage. It's wise to be watchful. It's wise to prepare. It'll be the unwise and the foolish, though, that, that just presume, ah, the bridegroom's not coming back in my lifetime. Not in my generation. And that's foolish, Jesus says. But he looks at, looks at what could be, flips a coin and says it'll go 50-50. That half will get it. Half will be wise. And half will be unwise. Let me ask you, what half are you in? You know whether there's true intimacy going on in your life with Jesus. 
you know if that's really happening? And if it's not, that perhaps you've gotten into a routine of some form of godliness. It's just kind of what you do. It's what you check off on Sundays. And you might evaluate your life and realize and be honest and say, you know what, there, there is no power of God on display in my life. And it's affecting my home. It's affecting my parenting. It's affecting my business. It's affecting my ministry. I've gotten way too busy. I've gotten disappointed. I've gotten bitter. And it's not working. See, you can't live even on borrowed oil. You can't borrow your oil from someone else. I'll tell you today that, see, it's being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. It's the answer to all things. God created you to know Him. We weren't made for anything else. You weren't made for any other accomplishment academically, professionally, and in the church world. You were made for nothing but to know God and that to be the primary focus in your life. He doesn't want to compete with the other gods that perhaps uh, you have in your life. He doesn't want to compete with you. He, he prepares a table before you. But how many of us Instead of going to the table that the Lord has prepared for us, you're going to a different table. You get tired of this. You get tired of walking with God. And you, you seek other things, other sources of pleasure to feed you. And for some, that is your job. That is your work. You have an addiction. You have, uh, you, you're a workaholic. Or you're addicted to something else. And you fuel that addiction. And there is no intimacy. Pastor, how do you gather oil? How do you get it? And you get oil, it is produced at midnight and it's produced through the crushing. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, that we are hard pressed on every side, not completely crushed, perplexed, not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. But the pressing is real. The crushing is real. It's those Gethsemane seasons, those, those times when we are, our lives are literally pressed and crushed from all around. And those, those moments and seasons where we would pray, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to walk through this even if there's not some other way. You see, even Jesus prayed this way. It's our humanity. And in those moments, in those crushing, times of crushing, we, we have opportunities and we make choices. And sadly, how often in our lives do we simply pull back and fade to black and fade out, and, and I, I get to looking around, and well, where, where did they go? What happened in their life? You kept it to yourself even, and you didn't reach out to any other person, certainly didn't let a pastor know, and you were crushed, and you got mad, and you got disappointed, and you got bitter, and you were pressed and crushed, and you walked away. Where do you get oil? It's found in the secret place, in the hidden places. It's a time that only you spend shutting the door. A place where you and Jesus, where you're talking and even laughing and conversing together and you're, you're, you're pouring out your heart and you're, you're, you're letting the atmosphere be one of praise. Not just here for a few minutes on Sunday morning, but this is what you're choosing as you pursue a quiet and secret place, a place where God can speak into your life. I know and it takes real faith. There's this real tension where you're looking at God, can I trust you? God, I don't understand the circumstances, but I refuse to give up. I refuse to to allow these circumstances to steal away my joy and my faith. Lord, I am trusting in you, even in those things I do not understand about my life. 
Anybody? You're there. We're, there is real pressure. It is real life. And God wants us all to press into Him and have an intimate relationship where we are at the feet of Jesus like Mary of Bethany. And I'm afraid, church, it may have been a long time since many of us have been at the feet of Jesus. And we might just fall on the 50% and we might just be able to say today, I'm on the foolish side. And I need to move to the wise side. I need some oil. And it's going to be costly. But I need an anointing that gets placed upon my life that it can't be taken away. And it's only between me and between Jesus. And whatever happens around me, I've got oil. I got oil in my lamp. I got oil in, oil in reserve. And I'm going to walk with God all the days of my life. Life can be real simple. Be with Jesus in intimacy. Gather oil. Love others. Repeat. Be with Jesus. Gather oil. Love others. Repeat over and over. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, if you remain in me, and I in you. Do we have that verse? John 15, 5. If, if you remain in me, and I in you, here's what will happen. You will bear much fruit. That's the good part. The difficult part is apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a great truth. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The vine, the branches. It's our opportunity. It's our choice to make. Can we stay connected to the vine? Let me, let me close as they play here today. I want to I want to give you this thought. I've been sharing this recently a lot. That not all good opportunities are God opportunities. See, God's been able to use in my life often the ability to seek and find opportunities, participate. Some of that for spiritual purposes, some not, but it, it, it's been fun. It's kind of how I'm wired. And as I hear a whisper today, the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. I do inventory of my life and I see not all good opportunities are God opportunities. They're not evil. They're not bad in themselves. But my mind always operating, my mind always going, and, and yet I, I clearly heard the Spirit of the Lord to me. To me. And so when He speaks to me, it's my personal conviction. But please don't miss today that He also speaks to you. But see, good opportunities, we would label pretty much anything a good opportunity, I think, if it's a pathway to make funds, to make money, to be profitable. Good opportunity. It's a promotion at work. Good opportunity. Anything of financial gain, we tend to default to good opportunities. And it's really good to ask, is this a God opportunity? Is this what God has for you? Because if it's your second or third side hustle, I would suggest to you, you need to take a hard look at that. Is that God's plan for you? Or is that something you need to say no to because God is calling you to a level of intimacy to build some oil in your life? So when you hear at the midnight hour, the bridegroom is here. You're ready. You're ready. You poured your life out. You, there's nothing you would do different because you're already operating in that. You haven't gotten distracted or distrayed. The enemy of intimacy is a thousand good opportunities. The word of the wise version 
wise virgins was a simple no answer. And yet the, the currency of heaven, guys, the way you get this oil, it's intimacy. It's for those who will be hungry, who will be thirsty, who humble themselves, who will be honest before Him. And that's how you'll buy your oil. And God gives us a gift, though. He gives us a gift, and I believe He's given that to me, given this, that to you, even this day, that the gift of God is to show you just how much you need Him above all else. I've faced this many times, good opportunities. I actually stand here today because back in 2011, I had a really good opportunity. And I began to hear the Lord speaking to me. I felt that God, that that's a good opportunity, but it's not the opportunity I have for you. You know, and I hear that and I sought other counsel and they confirmed that. And then I'm still about 50% sure I've heard from God. That's honest. Because some of us, guys, you're looking and waiting on the, God to speak to you and, you and you fully affirm it 100%. And I, That's not been my experience, but it's still been God speaking. Because I'm navigating life with a history. I'm navigating life with real life circumstances and pressing. And I'm seeking God and He has been faithful to speak to me. But here's what happened. Because I realized that with about 50% accuracy, it required of me to then go have a very difficult conversation and try to explain to an organization that is a lot like I mentioned earlier. They're, they're too big to fail. They're all about the profits. And here I am. The best I can offer is from a spiritual standpoint and say, I believe God has another opportunity for me, and it's not this one. This is a good one. But that, that requires a tangible next step. And I'm here today because it was the right one. <laughs> Let me tell you something about hearing from God, guys. If you're waiting for everything to line up, all the numbers, all the finances, all the people, all the resources, in Scripture, I don't see that ever happening. See, God's the one that gets a shepherd boy to take out a Goliath. God's the one that says, walk, walk around this city a bunch of times and see what happens. <laughs> it never makes sense. But that's our God. And here I was even this week. I'm looking at this. I'm soaking on this. I'm looking in this Word. And, and I've got, I'll, I got, I got good opportunities continually. But I've also got the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me. And I'm publicly telling you today, I, I had to send some hard emails this week. I sent those hard emails and I closed some doors, but not because they were bad opportunities, but because they were not the God opportunity for me. Because I hear a whisper that says the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming bridegroom is coming I'm asking you today maybe if the Lord has spoken to you you begin to ask what, would, what, what for you today would be a tangible next step what would it take to change your life to shift your schedule to make some changes that lead to intimacy wisdom and oil in your life tangible something you need to come lay on the altar an email you need to hit send it's a distraction it's been a disappointment it's been a place of bitterness and God in this next season preparing you speaking to you perhaps even today you know there's been a lack of intimacy you're just trying to keep yourself going you're trying to keep the machine going you're trying to keep the business going you're trying to keep the ministry going and we're always thinking about more influence and more money and a bigger checking account and the God of heaven speaking to you today to say, I'm calling you to a place of intimacy. And with that call will be a response that is tangible where you 
you're going to have to say no. A wise virgin, virgin says no. That's not for me. I need intimacy with God and I'm going to trust Him with the rest because He's bigger than we thought. He's bigger than we thought He was. He's bigger than we gave him, gave him credit for. They're going to sing for us in a moment. They're going to, well, you guys come and join me here. They're going to sing Defender, I believe. And part of Defender, I remember a verse that says um, about your way. Your way is better. His way is better. You see, we can't discount. We can't, we can't just shove away a God who works in supernatural ways. A God who does the miraculous. A God who speaks through a, a vessel, an imperfect person like me, but perhaps speaks to you by His Word and confirms by His Spirit right now that I'm speaking some truth to you. That the bridegroom is coming. Jesus. Jesus, we fall at your feet today. Bowed on knees with a bowed heart. I pray you would deliver us today from good opportunities. Deliver us today from busyness and busy schedules and distractions. Deliver us from hurt. It's been real. Didn't go the way we thought. We're bitter. And I pray you'd, you'd speak to hearts today that they need to come and lay in an altar seeds, bitter roots of bitterness that have developed within them. It's affected their attitude. It's affected their home, affected their work, affected their, their persona, God, affected their influence. And Lord, today, as we do inventory of our lives, may you find us as a church Lord, humbly at your feet once again. Lord, restore intimacy in our lives. We trust you. You're bigger than we thought. You don't owe us anything. But at your feet we bow. Asking the Holy Spirit that you'd fill us today. We want to see fruit manifest. We want to see oil, not just enough for our lamp, but oil in reserve. May this church, this place, be a place of intimacy. In Jesus' name.